The next sutta is 5.6.53. The Buddha said, Monks, there are these five limbs of striving. What five? Herein, monks, a monk has faith. He believes in the enlightenment of the Tathagata or Buddha. He has health and well-being, a good digestion, which is neither over-cold nor overheated, but even and suitable for striving. He is neither deceitful nor a liar, but declares himself to the Master or to his wise fellows in the holy life, just as he really is. He lives striving hard to give up unwholesome states and to develop wholesome states. Staunch and strong in effort, he shirks not the burden of wholesome states. He has insight and is endowed therewith into the way of the rise and fall of of things, dhammas, with Aryan penetration into the utter destruction of dukkha. These monks are the five limbs of striving. That's the end of the sutta. Here, uh, the Buddha is saying uh, five things are very important uh, if we want to strive in the spiritual path. The first one is to have sadha or faith uh, in the enlightenment of the of the Buddha. But to have faith in the enlightenment of the Buddha, we have to listen to the discourses of the Buddha. And then when we understand the discourses of the Buddha, then we realize that only an enlightened person like the Buddha could speak these discourses. So we believe in the enlightenment of the Buddha. The second factor is we must have health, have a good, strong body so that... We can uh, be fit enough to strive. The third one, uh, we have to be a straight person, neither deceitful nor a liar. Uh, because uh, if you are going to follow a teacher and you want the teacher to guide you, you have to be very uh, straight with him. Uh, you cannot lie here and there. And then the fourth one is to be strong in uh, effort, uh, to put in the effort uh, in practicing the spiritual path. And the last one is to have insight no, or wisdom into the into the rise uh, and seizing of all phenomena, how all things arise and pass away. And then when we understand that all things in the world arise and pass away, uh, then we dis- get disgusted no, with the things in the world. We learn to let go of all the things in the world and we look for the state nah, where there is no arising and passing away. That is the deathless state nah, that we have to aim for. And it is within us. Nah, you just have to realize it. Nah. Now the next sutta is 5.6.54. The Buddha said, Monks, there are these five wrong times for striving. What five? Herein a monk is old, overcome by old age. Monks, this is the first wrong time for striving. A monk is ill, overcome by illness. Monks, this is the second wrong time for striving. There is a famine, crops are bad, food is hard to get, and it is not easy to get oneself going by cleaning, that is picking up food eh, and favors. Monks, this is the, the third wrong time. Fear is about perils of bandits, and the country folk mount their carts and drive away. Monks, this is the fourth wrong time. Again, monks, the Sangha is divided. 
the Sangha is a community of monks, eh? is divided. Then there is reviling between one another, accusation between one another, quarreling between one another, repudiation between one another. And they of little faith do not find faith there. And the faithful become less faithful. Monks, this is a fifth wrong time for striving. Monks, there are these, these are the five wrong times for striving. Monks, there are these five right times for striving. What five? Herein a monk is young, a mere youth, black-haired and blessed with the beauty of youth, the heyday of youth. Monks, this is the first right time for striving. A monk has health and well-being, a good digestion, which is neither over-cold nor overheated, but even and suitable for strivings. Monks, this is the second right time. There is no famine and crops are good, food is easy to get, and it is easy to get oneself going by gleanings and favours. Monks, this is the third right time. Men dwell in friendly fellowship together as mingled milk and water, not quarrelling, but look upon one another with friendly eye. Monks, this is the fourth right time. Again, monks, the Sangha dwell in friendly fellowship together, finding comfort in one teaching. When there is harmony in the Sangha, then there is no reviling one with another, nor accusations, nor quarrelling, nor repudiation between one another. But there they are of little faith. Those of little faith find faith, and the faith of the faithful become even more. Monks, this is the fifth right time for striving. These monks are the five right times for striving. So here the Buddha is talking about the right and the wrong and the right times for striving. And especially the we have to make uh, we have to take note now of the wrong times for striving. The first one is old age. Uh, sometimes some people when they are quite old they want to renounce and become a monk. And then when they come to monkhood, they find it very difficult to adjust because they have a lot of <clears throat> fixed habits. And uh, sometimes they are asked to do this and asked not to do this by certain younger monks because uh, in monkhood, uh, the seniority uh, depends on the number of years a person has renounced, has worn the robes. So sometimes... A more senior monk can be a younger monk. So an uh, old monk uh, is uh, told off by a younger monk. He might feel very annoyed, uh, as you heard one of the earlier suttas uh, that we read uh, uh, about uh, old monk thinking, this fellow can be my son or my grandson, and he's telling me what to do, what not to do. So it's quite difficult for someone in old age. Uh. And besides the fixed habits, uh, then... Uh, he become much weaker also. He uh, become much weaker and it's uh, much more difficult, eh? especially if you want to follow the Buddha's advice and go and live in lonely places, secluded places, in a cave or up the hill eh? alone. Eh? By And in old age, it's much more difficult to do. Eh? Then the second factor is uh, illness. When you are ill, eh? it's a wrong time to strive. But sometimes people are not willing to strive until they are told that they have cancer or something. Then only they decide, oh, I think I better do some practice. But sometimes it's too late. And the third is when there's a famine. The fourth, when there are bandits about. 
And the fifth is when the Sangha, the community of monks is divided, then it's uh, <coughs> the lay people would have uh, little faith. And when there's little faith, uh, there's not that support for the monks. So they find it uh, difficult to get the support uh, to live the holy life. So these are the wrong times. Uh, and the reverse and uh, the converse is the right times for striving. But the trouble is even though the youth, uh, young, when a person is young, uh, that's the best time for striving, you find uh, with most people that's the time when you are most reluctant to strive because you don't see the dukkha. You don't. You you think uh, you still got a long life ahead of you. Uh, there's no urgency to strive. You think wait until I'm old, then only I'll strive. But, uh, and then when you're old, you find it's too late to strive. And the next sutta is five point six point fifty five. Once, when the exalted one was dwelling near Savati, adjacent a grove in Anatta Pindika's park. A mother and son were both spending the rainy season in Savati as monk and nun. They longed to see one another often. The mother often wished for her son and the son his mother. And from seeing each other often, companionship arose. From companionship, intimacy. From intimacy, amorousness. And without giving up the training and making their weakness manifest, with their hearts inflamed, they gave themselves over to incestuous intercourse. And a company of monks went to the exalted one, saluted him, and sat down at one side. And so seated, they told the exalted one all that had occurred. Then the Buddha said, "What monks knows not this foolish man that a mother shall not lust after her son?" Nor son verily after his mother, monks. I see no other single form so enticing, so desirable, so intoxicating, so binding, so distracting, such a hindrance to winning the unsurpassed peace from effort. That is to say, monks as a woman's form. Monks, whosoever clings to a woman's form, infatuated, greedy, fettered, enslaved, enthralled, for many a long day shall grieve, snared by the charms of a woman's form. Monks, I know no other single sound, no other single smell, taste, touch, so enticing, so desirable, so intoxicating, so binding, so distracting. Such a hindrance to winning the unsurpassed peace from effort. That is to say, monks, as the sound, smell, taste, and touch of a woman. Monks, whosoever clings to the sound, smell, taste, and touch of a woman, infatuated, greedy, fettered, enslaved, enthralled, for many a long day shall grieve, snared by a woman's charms. Monks, a woman, even when going along, will stop to ensnare the heart of a man, whether standing, sitting, or lying down, laughing, talking, or singing, weeping, stricken, or dying. A woman will stop to ensnare the heart of a man. Monks, if ever one would rightly say, it is wholly a snare of Mara. Verily, speaking rightly, one may say of womanhood. It is wholly a snare of Mara. There's a trap of Mara. That's the end of the sutta. This uh, sutta, what the Buddha has just said, uh, 
is equally applicable to men also, the converse, because in this instance, the Buddha was addressing the monks. So he was saying that nothing can entice a monk or a man Uh, nothing is so intoxicating uh, as uh, woman, and the converse is also true uh, to a woman. Uh, nothing is so desirable, so intoxicating, so exciting uh, as a man, and so uh, just as a woman uh, is a trap uh, for a man, so a man is also a trap for a woman. That is why um, one of the greatest obstacles uh, to the uh, holy life, uh, the spiritual path, uh, is the attraction of the opposite sex. Uh, it is uh, nature's way uh, to procreate uh, the species. Uh. So we have to be very careful uh, when we want to walk the spiritual path. Uh. That is why one of the requisites of the holy life eh, for renunciants is that they become celibate. They have to take vows eh, or the precept of chastity. Eh. Uh, this is uh, one of the most difficult uh, uh, obstacles eh, to overcome in the holy life. That is why I've mentioned before a lot of monks disrobe because of a woman, and I suppose the converse is also true. Now the next sutta, 5.6.56. Now a certain monk approached his preceptor and said, My body, sir, is as it, as, is as it were dropped. The quarters are not seen by me. Things are not clear to me. Sloth and torpor encompass my heart about and stay. Joyless I live the holy life, and doubts about the teachings are ever with me. I stop here for a while. This uh, preceptor uh, is the person who ordains the monk. So here the monk is telling his uh, preceptor that uh, he feels as if his body is drowned uh, because sloth and torpor doubts, etc., all these hindrances uh, uh, encompassing his mind, controlling his mind. Then the sutta continues. Uh, so that monk with his fellow monk went to the exalted one and on arrival saluted and sat down at one side. So seated, the preceptor said to the exalted one, Lord, this monk speaks thus, My body, sir, is as it were drugged. The quarters are not seen by me. Things are not clear to me. Sloth and torpor encompass my heart about and stay. Joyless I live the holy life, and doubts about the teachings are ever with me. And the exalted one said, Mang, it is ever thus. When one dwells with the doors of the senses unguarded, with no moderation in eating, not devoted to wakefulness, not looking for skillful states, nor day in and day out practice the practice of developing the things that are factors of enlightenment, bojanga. Then is the body as though drugged, the quarters are not seen, things are not clear, sloth and torpor encompass the heart and stay. Joyless one lives the holy life, and doubts about the teachings are ever with one.' 
Therefore, monk, train yourself thus. I will become one who guards the sense doors. I will be moderate in eating, devoted to wakefulness. Look for skillful states and dwell day in, day out, practicing the the practice of developing the things that are factors of enlightenment. Train yourself in this way, monk. Then that monk, admonished with this admonishment by the Exalted One, got up and saluted the Exalted One and departed, keeping him on his right. And not long afterwards, dwelling alone, secluded, zealous, earnest and resolved, that monk entered and abode in that unsurpassed goal of the holy life, realizing it by personal knowledge even in this life, for the sake of which clansmen rightly go forth from the home into the homeless life. And he fully realized, rebirth is destroyed, lived is the holy life, done is what had to be done, there is no more coming to this state. And that monk was numbered among the Arahans. Then that monk with Arahanship one went to his preceptor and said, Sir, no longer is my body as it were drought. The four quarters are visible. Things are clear. Sloth and torpor no longer encompass my heart and stay. With joy I live the holy life and I have no doubts about the teachings. Then the monk went with his fellow monk to the Buddha and told him of the matter and the Buddha repeated what he said before. That's the end of the sutta. So, you see, when a monk uh, is overcome by the five hindrances, uh, there is much uh, pain and suffering. And so many monks, uh, at that stage, uh, they disrobe. But if they listen to suttas like this, eh, then they know what to do. There are several important practices eh, that the Buddha said eh, is very, very important eh, if you want to stay on the sure course. Eh, as I mentioned in one of the earlier suttas, eh, you have to guard the sense doors. Guarding the sense doors meaning not to pay attention to all the things that come within the six sense doors. Eh, eh, only whatever is... Um, unavoidable, whatever is really important. Otherwise, uh, we don't uh, pay to attention to worldly things. Uh. Then the second one is to be moderate in eating. And moderate in eating in the Buddha's teachings refers to eating one meal a day. And then uh, the third one is dev devoted to wakefulness. That means uh, try not to sleep too much. Uh, only allow yourself certain hours. Uh. Uh, and uh, another one is uh, to be uh, to put in the effort uh, to develop skillful states uh, and to get rid of unwholesome or unskillful states uh, uh, and then to develop the factors of enlightenment the bojanga seven factors uh. so when the buddha when the this monk followed the buddha's advice uh, then he attained to arahanthood uh, because he noticed that he lived alone uh, and uh, won the goal of Arahanthood. Okay, now we come to the next sutta. It's 5.6.57. It's one of the important suttas. The Buddha said, Monks, these five things ought to be often contemplated by women and men. 
by householder and one gone forth. What five? First one, I am of the nature to age. I have not got <coughs> I have not gone beyond aging. This ought to be often contemplated by woman and man, by householder and by one gone forth. Second one, I am of the nature to sicken. I have not gone beyond sickening. Third one, I am of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond dying. The fourth one, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. The fifth one, I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I shall be the heir. Thus we should frequently recollect. Monks, to what right end ought the thought? I am of the nature to age, I have not gone beyond aging. To be often contemplated by woman and man, by householder and by, and by one gone forth. Monks, beings in youth are obsessed with the pride of youth. Wanting in that pride, they go about working evil in deed, word and thought. To one who often contemplates that aging, that pride of youth, to one who often contemplates aging, that pride of youth is either got rid of altogether or reduced. Monks, it is to this end that the thought, I am of the nature to age, I have not gone beyond aging, to be often contemplated. Monks, to what end ought the thought, I am of the nature to sicken, I have not gone beyond sickening, to be often contemplated. Monks, beings in health are obsessed with the pride of health. Vaunting in that pride, they go about working evil in deed, word and thought. To one who often contemplates sickening or sickness, that pride of health is either got rid of altogether or reduced. Monks, to what end ought the thought? I am the, of the nature to die, I have not gone beyond dying, to be often contemplated. Monks, beings in the fullness of life, are obsessed with the pride of life. Vaunting in that pride, they go about working evil in deed, word and thought. To one who often contemplates death, that pride of life is either got rid of altogether or reduced. Monks, to what end ought the thought? All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me, to be often contemplated. Monks, beings are obsessed with a passionate desire for those who are dear. Excited by that passion, they go about working evil, indeed, word and thought. To one who often contemplates impermanence, that passionate desire is either got rid of altogether or reduced. Monks, to what end ought the thought? I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I shall be the heir. To be often contemplated.
Monks, the ways of beings are evil in deed, evil in word, and evil in thought. To one who often contemplates, I am the owner of my karma, etc., those evil ways are got rid of altogether or reduced. Monks, to this end, ought the thought, I am the owner of my karma, etc., to be often contemplated by woman and man, by householder and one gone forth. Monks, the Aryan disciple reflects thus, Not only am I of the nature to age, who have not gone beyond aging, but wheresoever there are beings coming and going, faring on and arising, all are of the nature to age, none have gone beyond aging. And while he often contemplates this, the way comes into being, and that way he follows, makes, become and develops. And in doing so, the fetters are got rid of, the tendencies are removed. So too of the thoughts, not only am I of the nature to sicken, to die, not only to me is there change and separation from those beloved and pleasing. I am not the only one who is the owner of his karma, etc. And while he often contemplates these thoughts, the way comes into being, and that way he follows, makes, become, and develops. And in so doing, the fetters are got rid of, the tendencies are removed. That's the end of the sutta. This is one of the very uh, popular contemplations that the Buddha asks monks and lay people and nuns, etc., to practice every day. Uh, some of you might have uh, heard the Pali chant. I think it goes something like Jara Damomhi Jarang Anatito Baidi Damomhi Baiding Anatito, etc. Marana Damomhi Maranang Anatito Sabehi Me Piehi Mana Pehi Nana Bavo Bivina Bavo, etc. So this one, these are, these are very useful contemplations. Eh? The first one is to contemplate that you are aging day by day. You are aging. Our time is limited. Uh, just as there's some simile like a fish in the pond. The pond is drying up. There's no rain. The sun is beating down on the pond day by day. The water is getting less and less and the fish uh, very soon will pass away. So in the same way, every day we contemplate uh, uh, the sense of time is running out for us day by day. Uh, our, we, according to statistics, uh, we on the average live up to about 70. So if you calculate how old we are, then we can know how much, how many years you have left. And that number of years means that number of Christmas or Chinese New Year you have to, you are left with uh, to celebrate. One goes off and you, one less uh, year by year. So that is aging, uh, we have to contemplate. Second one is sickening. As we grow old, the chances of becoming sick uh, increase. Uh, maybe today you have, a, you have a healthy body. How would you know whether one year from now you will have a healthy body? There's so many people with cancer. I think now the statistics tells us what one in five or something people have cancer. So we have to keep this in mind and look around us. How many people are there in this hall? 
maybe 20 something uh, out of there how many uh, divide by 5 how many will get cancer uh, so you look at it this way the chances uh, you're, you're getting cancer are quite high so we have to consider this uh, every day third one of the nature to die uh, we have to remember the graves uh, are not uh, the graves of all old people. Uh, there are many graves of young people, graves of people in their middle age. One of the lady arahans, I forgot which one, I don't know whether it's Patachara, in the Theri Gata, she came back from Pindabad, arms round. She had been practicing meditation, been a nun for several years. So she came back from Pindabad arms round and she took the water as usual, the monks and nuns. Eh, when we come back from arms round, our feet are dirty, muddy sometimes. So she took the water and splashed on her feet. Eh. And when she splashed the water on her feet, she noticed the water run a little way along the ground and sink into the earth. Then it struck her. Something struck her. She repeated the second time. She splashed the water on the ground. She saw the water run a little bit further and sink into the ground. And then she did it the third time. And the water ran a bit further and sank into the ground. And then it made her realize that there are beings who die in their young age. There are beings who die in their middle age and beings who die in their old age. But all have to die. And from there, insight arose and she attained arahanhood. Pachachara was uh, that famous nun uh, who, as a lay, lay person, uh, the two sons, the two young sons, uh, <coughs> died in the flood. Uh, and the husband was killed by a poisonous snake. And when she walked all the way home, uh, she found her parents, uh, both were killed uh, because the lightning struck the huge tree behind the house and the, the tree fell on the house. So because so many people died at the same time, uh, the grief uh, struck her so badly that she became mad. She walked around uh, uh, without any clothes uh, until uh, she, was, uh, she met the Buddha and then uh, became a nun. Then from there, uh, uh, she cultivated and became an arahan. So, we have to remember any time we can pass away, there's no surety eh, that we have another five years or ten years or twenty years ahead of us. Eh. Uh, there are people who die of accidents, people die of cancer and die of many ways. Eh. So, we always have to remember that. Don't think of enjoying life as though uh, they have a long life ahead of us. Eh. Life is uncertain, but death is certain. It's a very uh, popular saying. Then the fourth one, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. All those that we love, uh, whether it's our relatives, our close ones, uh, or our property, uh, material goods, etc., uh, conditions will change. So those uh, that we love, uh, either they separate from us, or one day those that we love uh, can become our enemies also. Uh, the property that we love sometimes uh, can be lost. And so all these, uh, uh, we have to remember everything is impermanent. And even if they were not lost and they, were, they didn't leave us, eventually we will have to leave them. 
we will have to leave everything behind and go our way eh, when death eh, touches us on the shoulder. So this is another contemplation we have to remember. Then the fifth one, I'm the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do for good or for ill, of that I shall be the heir. You see, every moment, every day, we are supported by our karma. And whatever karma we are doing now will determine our future life. So if we understand the working of karma, we will try to practice wholesome karma and not practice unwholesome unskillful karma. So these are the five very important contemplations.